You're listening to The Process, where we talk to some of the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV and game. From concept artists to previs to 3D animators and visual effects artists, we talk about a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind and workflow of each artist. In this episode, we're speaking with Martin Bell, an independent filmmaker, screenwriter, previous supervisor, about his process on making a short film on his own inside Unreal Engine 4. Hi, my name is Martin Bell. I'm a previous artist and supervisor, um, and I'm also a writer, director, and my new film, Crazy Bit Ridge, is out now. When we spoke last, was it the was it just a trailer? Yeah, that you'd made. Yeah, so last time it, it it was just a trailer, but I did have to fall the previous edit. In fact, I think I showed it to you actually at the time, um, and it was maybe like six, seven minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, and um, I didn't really know what what to do with it, to to be honest. And it, it would just it was clearly a good film in there. And, um, but it would take so long. All the characters were meant to be temporary. They were just meant to be previous characters. The idea was to replace everything, or at least, um, even if we kept them on the same skeletons, that the, the, there'd be a whole new character that would occupy each skeleton, um, which is beyond my ability to do. I need help to do it. I was hoping to be able to get some money to hire people and, and, and effectively give the whole thing a full, a full makeover. Um, and, if you've ever seen that game, well, any of the games, like any computer game, Call of Duty, any of those, but there's one set in World War One called Battlefield One, and I'd been playing that as part of my research. Um, and uh, the cinematics looked absolutely incredible. And I was like, oh, it'd, look, it'd be great if it looked like this. Um, but with the characters that I'd got, which were old Mixmo characters, it was never going to look like that. It needed a full, they didn't even have PBR materials, you know, it needed a full redo in order to look like that. And I knew that was beyond me. I wanted to get some money, and then um, and I'd applied for a mega grant. Is that still pending now? That application for the mega no, grant. So I'll get to that now. So then at Christmas, this Christmas gone. So about fifteen months after the, eighteen months after I applied, basically eighteen months, um, they they just said no, which is absolutely fine. Like that's their money. And to be honest, I do feel like the right thing happened all through because I think if they'd have given me the money after three months, I think that. Uh, the film wouldn't have been as good. It needed time to gestate in my own mind. It still didn't have certain things in it that it has now that are making that makes it work. I think that it needed that time to gestate in my own head. At the time, all the if you've watched the film, I know you have, mm-hmm. um, but people watching this, if you watch the film, there's a there's a um, a speech that he recalls that we introduce in the first thirty seconds, and he recalls the speech as the film goes through, and it sort of forms the backbone of the film. That's a relatively recent addition. Um, and it's what I think gets the film across the line. It's what gives it a, a uniqueness and because it's a real speech as well. But actually then, because they said no and I realised I weren't going to get any help and I had to just kind of figure out a way to do it myself, um, that I, I... What happened was I was watching Netflix, maybe, I think, Netflix, and there's a and, and trailer for that film, for the Richard Linklater's new one, Apollo 10.5, which is... I'm not sure if it's cell shaded CG or if it's rotoscoped live action, but either way, it's, it's in that same vein of his other work, that, like Waking Life and stuff. Um, but as soon as I saw it, it just I just 
the thought straight into my head, like cell shading, and and it just went well. And I, the thought went well. Unreal can do that, and then yeah. it, there, there it was. Like actually, all the problems I've got with not having decent looking assets would all be solved if everything was cell shaded. I was going to say it changed, didn't it? From from when we spoke and you were yeah. starting it, it's the the visual side of it has changed. Yeah, it had to do because everything looks so different. They're nothing hung together, mm. and a lot of the a lot of the assets weren't. Some of them were like photo real with full nice PBR yeah. materials, and some of them weren't. Um, and some of them, like I was clear, I'm gonna have to make myself, um, and I'm not a model. You know what I mean? I'm not a modeler, and I just thought really well. Particularly, I'm not a materials artist. I can make models, but I'm useless with materials. Um, and it thought it didn't matter if everything's got a cell shaded material on it. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. you know, it's fine. It's, it's like a great equalizer. Like it's gonna make that truck cost two dollars. It was always meant to be a placeholder. There's gonna be a hyper real truck in there and all this. Nope, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Stick a shell, stick yeah. a cell shader on it. It's done. So, yeah, mid-April, I started testing cell-shaded looks, see what I yeah. could get, um, and quickly hit upon using not just a cell-shader, but using a Kuwahara filter, um, which is what gives it a kind of painterly look. It doesn't look like anything else. You know, it's, mm. it's not it's, – it's, it's unique, I think, yeah. Yeah. in experience. Well, I guess we can uh, just – as an introduction to the project, I know people are probably watching this from the first episode, but if not, then uh, I guess just you introduce very briefly uh, the story uh, and how it, how it came about. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, my, my brother had written a book in uh, 2019. Um, he always wanted to write and he'd written a sports book. It was about... Um, a Brazilian football team called Chebecoense who died in a, a car uh, in a plane crash. He was looking for a second story and he wanted something closer to home. And he was actually looking at a wrestler called Mal Kirk, who's from the same village that, that we're from. It was while looking at Mal Kirk, who is a, a pit man, you know, he worked down the mines. My brother discovered this guy, Douglas Clark. He found it and he was sending me things and he's like, this can't be real. Like this, this seems to be the same person. He, he was a rugby player. He played for, Great Britain. Then he got called up to go to the war and won a medal. And then he came back and, spoiler alert, if you don't watch the movie, if you don't watch the film, I would go watch the film before watching this. He comes back and not only plays rugby again when he's been told he's not to, but he goes on to become a world champion wrestler. And my brother's like, this can't be the same book. Um, so he did all, you know, he's doing loads of research and it is the same book. Um, and he's got one single surviving relative, an old lady um, called Elizabeth. And uh, my brother wrote to her, and and she was thrilled that someone was interested in her uncle, who, who she always considered to be a hero. And so I thought, well, war's good. That that that'd be good because I'm not really in sci-fi and fantasy. Like I'd rather something that's more grounded and real. Um, oh, war's good. War work, and I just made 1917. Um, so a, bit, a little bit of experience there with the First World War as well. Um, and that was then. That was it. Was when I thought about 1917. That was the bit that reminded me about. Dougie, because in the in 1917 they mentioned the psalm, um, okay. and and the psalm is described in my brother's book, and I think when you're British, I, I don't know about you, right? But I, I now know about the psalm and what happened at the psalm. But even the words the psalm, it has a there's there's, there's something that's bred into you when you're British. It's not nice. It's it's there's, there's something there that you just know intrinsically, like that was bad. Mm. Um, even when I saw 1917, I they say you know the line is oh were you at the Somme like there's this mm. reverence to it like it was bad you know it was, a, it was horrible and it was, um, but that was I still didn't know anything about it you know, so 
uh, I picked the I picked my manuscript up of the of his book and found the bit that I remember, I remember this exciting bit where um, Dougie had to uh, drop some uh, ammo off and they got attacked by gas and shells um, and he and he, he he got caught with his gas mask off um, and I thought that would be really exciting visually you know uh, so it turns out though that like World War One's not really that well serviced on on the marketplace. Uh, so there are some good stuff. Um, my film's got not got any guns in it. If you notice, there's no mm -hmm. there's the big gun, the the, yeah. the the artillery guns, but there's no the soldiers aren't carrying guns. No one gets shot. Um, so those are the kind of things that you can find on the marketplace. Guns for first person shooters and all that stuff. But you know, um, I think that truck came off some random. 3D website was a couple of a couple of dollars. I wasn't even sure if it was the right truck. It just looked like it was. Unfortunately, it did turn out to be. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I just started pull, again pulling stuff together. And one of the first things I know I needed, and I, I need to be able to drive that truck because mm. that's what you know. We've worked on the Fast yeah. and Furious films yeah. stuff together. Like I, I don't want to be animating cars. No. It's boring. No. Especially if you've got a game engine there that'll do the physics for you. No, yeah. I want to drive the truck and get it recorded once. So all that truck driving stuff that's in the film. I think I recorded that on day four in 2020, so over two years ago. Day one, I opened Unreal uh, and made a level. And day two and three, I got that vehicle, brought the truck in and made it drivable. And then day four, I recorded all the driving stuff. And it's right. the same stuff. I just recorded it all, the, like, maybe two or three times, picked the best bits. That's, I think, it picked one take, and, and that's it's right. still there now. Like, it's it's, you know... And it, well, it turned out great. It's a, it's a great. Uh, yeah, I'm really. I, I think it's turned out. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best because at least I've got the thing that I did it by myself. Yeah. I can crow about that. Yeah. You know, it's there's a there's a uniqueness to that where it's it's ten minutes long and it, yeah. I did it by myself. Um, and with your, with your background animation and your your you know what you do previous supervisor storytelling screenwriting, um, it's, it's all just, the things that all, I do. Yeah, it's, yeah, to make it possible. It's, uh, so yeah, it's it's good. Um, so, and so I think it's actually it's the best of both worlds, and the fact that it's already been accepted into its first festival, yeah. the first festival I've had a decision on, I've accepted it. It's very easy to just think like it's good, and your mother tells you it's good. Yeah, and, but when it's and, recognised and it's by others not close to you, and, and yeah, 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 and then, it, you really think when, like, yeah. it's very easy to do stuff like this and put stuff online. Like I did Black Seam last year. And I put that on, and I was really proud of that at the time. And like, no one cared because mm. <laughs> like, I've not got an audience. Mm. You know, I've not, I've not got any reach or anything. So, you kind of work on this thing for ages, and particularly like with Black Sea, I didn't work on it for ages. I worked on it for two weeks, but it still, it was two weeks of my life that I yeah. did it. That was, that was all I did. And then you put it out there, thinking, there, yeah, look, look what I've done. And everyone goes, all right, it can, yeah, carry on. No response. Yeah, the, the fact that it's been accepted to festival means. Hopefully, I mean, this could be the only one. I've applied for plenty. This could be the only one that accepts it. I'm quite, you know, I'm quite aware of that. But at least now I am going to get to go and see it on a big screen. Which is that's going to be pretty epic. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. To have that kind of approval from a real film festival that actually, no, this is good work. And, and you know, yeah. as opposed to it just being kind of like me on my, in my limited yeah. kind of echo chamber social media space where all my mates watch you go, oh, yeah, well done. Yeah, well uh, done. And, yeah. That, and that's it, you know. I'll be something so to be very proud of, man. It's uh, it's turned out awesome. Him. So it'll be it'll be really interesting now, Martin, to just I guess get into your process. But what's the main steps that you've used to create this um, final short? Absolutely. So my first step is always 
to get in a mocap suit and record a version or multiple versions maybe of the kind of action I'm thinking of and for each character. And so what I will do is um, I'll bring that into uh, Unreal, uh, into the level. Um, did you did you storyboard this or did you get straight no. into... Well, what, what I did to the... a degree. So my process now is different to like when I was kind of originally exploring Unreal and, okay. and the whole workflow. I don't need to shot list. Yeah. Um, because I... It's in it's my. In your I head can see you can edit head. it, and as long as you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. If I was trying to work with somebody else, I would have to shot list and maybe do some storyboard. But it's mm. just me. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I, I know exactly what I'm going to do in the mocap suit, and I know exactly how I'm going to shoot it. I've already shot it in my head. I just mm. need to get the get if I can get the action from the mocap into Unreal, then I can shoot it in Unreal. My mocap suit's really old. It's it's done me really well. It owes me. I think it cost me like five hundred pounds on a Kickstarter in 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 twenty fifteen. And that's it the doesn't owe me any money at all. Yeah, perception, the original perception neuron one, yeah, and they're super proud that I'm still using the <laughs> the original gear. Like, I'm making a making a point of saying, like, this is this, you know, this is not even the best stuff you can get. This is the, the really early version. So, what I used to do is I would get the mocap and I would I'd chuck it straight into Maya and get, and then I've got an animatable. I get it on the rig in in, in Maya, so I've got an animatable character because I'm thinking like an animator all the time. Mm. Got an animatable character with the thing on, and what I might need to do is fix some like some knees that have come in, you know, put in the wrong way and things like that. But now I don't even bother. I don't even bother. I took it raw, wholesale, as it was recorded, warts and all, straight into Unreal, get it in, get it on the characters and start blocking out the sequence. When, when that's sort of working, when I can kind of see it, I will then get those shots and I'll render, render them out properly, especially with the amount of effects that are in Praise and Ridge. I mean, every single shot in Praise and Ridge pretty much has got countless effects mm. between the rain the explosions and the gas and all that stuff like there's effects everywhere and they all get triggered there's a trigger point in unreal and as you're playing through the sequence it, it effectively it's opening up your sequence in the background it's playing it from that frame but if you're if your explosion or whatever started a few frames before it doesn't Sorry, get could you... it doesn't get triggered <laughs> uh so um so it's it's good to render them out as full shots because yeah. then you get full experience. The, all the explosions are there, the gas is there, everything's there, the rain's on, everything. Um, so I get all those rendered out and, I, and I'll rebuild that edit in 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 Premiere and then I'll let it sit there, like I, like because when I go to actually do some animation, I want to be absolutely sure that I'm not wasting my time. Mm-hmm, of <laughs> uh, I want to be on that edit to be locked. So I might do a bit of animation if it's just things that need to be tidied up. That's fine. And if I was presenting it to somebody else. I'll probably do a little bit of tidy up, but because I can't trust that they can see what I can see it's yeah. gonna be. That's really interesting. So you would um do do the animations and retargeting inside of my if you had to animate, but then you would obviously retarget that back onto an Unreal Engine. Um is it the mannequin? Just to show the evolution of this, uh, if you can show any comparisons as well, Martin, from the first pass that you had in you know, you had Mixamo. I'll, I'll, I'll take you through those. I've got yeah. I've got had, was this this was I remember this guy being the um, that big guy from Mixamo as a as yeah a he is. yeah 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 uh, oh, oh yeah was... so that's the only bit of modelling I did really I I I tweaked his his, his head oh yeah in in Mudbox I, I had Mudbox for a month you know like you could subscribe to it for a month and all I did was open it for half an hour and pushed his face around and and, and made made that shape out of the uh, and you'll see I'll show the first version of the film. And you'll see what he looked like before. Yeah, and, and it'd be great. It's, to it's see. the same model. I just pushed the shapes around on in 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 Mudbox. This is the shot where 
Mr. Preedy uh, is telling the lads, you know, get your gas masks on and all that, okay? Um, so that's the version that's now in the film. But let's see. So this is version one. Effectively the same shot, right? But the yeah. camera's static. This guy's in a way. But this is this is like a typical, you know, you block the shot. You, you yeah, know, it's not so fun. So it's not so fun. Here. Uh, there's no rain uh, because uh, I, didn't have, I didn't have rain in the film at the time. Uh, you can see here, uh, this is built from um, no dedicated mocap for this. It's... Uh, it's mixed mo clips that are blended together. Okay, so um, so for, for this first pass before you started to get into detail like motion capture, you would just chuck. Did you chuck on any uh, mix? Yeah, because at the first? time when I did the very first pass, I didn't have the mocap suit. It was in storage. Right. Um, and so, uh, so I was I had to just create stuff using what I could, what was available. You know, any mix mo and, and stuff. But yeah, you can see that these lads are actually World War Two soldiers. It's a stock mix mo character. Yeah. in this version uh this guy um is uh is also a mixed mode character he's from fuse he's got a policeman's hat on and a leather jacket and jeans obviously not dressed like a commanding officer from world war one but it doesn't matter he's, yeah he's, he builds the shots and you've got uh yeah, you can tell he's a boss you can tell he's uh, he's, he's in charge he's wearing a hat you know uh but, um yeah so that's that's an early an early version um, and then and you see how it's floating all over at the bottom? Doesn't matter because it's only, matter, interested, yeah, shot, only yeah. interested in what's in here. Um, so, so yeah, and then it, it turns out as, as it did. Yeah, it'll be, this will be great because obviously we're revisiting you now, Martin, on this. So it'll be really interesting to see where it was before and then where it's got to now. Obviously, the comparison is going to be really interesting to see. So I'll show you now how the film looked then. Immediately, there's a difference uh, with film opens. One of my tropes that I'm aware of that I like to do is start on a sky and tilt down. Uh, I don't know why, I do it all the time. Um, and uh, so I was doing it here. I, I don't think it's a bad idea because you've got all the explosions. It's supposed to be a, a sky full of explosions, basically an exploding sky. So the whole thing just needs to be much snappier and, and edited much tighter to get the to get the urgency across. All this yeah. stuff I've been, it's rubbish. Um, but it needed this first pass to, you know, figure Absolutely, out. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, like yeah. what what it is that's that's going on. Um, uh, so yeah, and then but this we're gonna get to the shot we just saw here now. Um, this is this one, uh, and I replaced that with mocap then in the end. And then so the three stages there were do do it with um, do it with mixed mo clips, then replace it with mocap, and then. Um, finally, export the mocap that I'm using into one into Maya, fix it all up, and add facial animation. And I'll get to facial animation in a second as well. Okay. But you can really feel like how much slower it is, and it's yeah. very much a first pass. It's trying to get the ideas across. Some of the things were there, some of the things weren't. This version starts on the battlefield, and it was a friend of mine watched one of these early versions and said the rugby stuff is like it's great. And what what would be great is we're kind of assuming that he had a, a past as a player and, and he said it'd be great if he knew that, like if he showed it first. Uh, and I was like, well, that's good because it gives me a reason to start on the rugby pitch uh, and, and then we can come back to it a couple of times and we do. Yeah. Um, and that was the best note I ever got. And it was really early and, I, you know, it's, it, was, it was really useful that. Facial animation, uh, I used a thing called Mocap X. Yeah. Um, the rigs are actually limited. But they're really easy to animate. They've got like a central controller that you can move around and do all the do much of the mouth movements with. Um, but it's not very conducive to using 
mocap X. So the eye animations were mostly what I got on mocap X and, and, and the up and down of the mouth. But then mm. I had to go and do a pass of, of everything first. So what I would do was uh, using mocap X would record me doing the lines and you get a video and you get a, a, a mocap X file. Mm-hmm. And I would take the video, put it into After Effects, get the frames out uh, and put them into Maya, get the get the audio out from the same clip. So the audio of me miming the, the, mm. the line so that I can line everything up with the, with the mocap data, um, figure out where I'm supposed to put the line, get the actual line, whoever recorded it, Kieran or whoever the voice actor was, put that in, chop that off and move it to where it needs to be and, and, and animate it and then animate it properly. And I got really good at it. I could do a shot in an hour from start. So I could record the... I was doing it before work. I could do, do an hour before work. So record the mocap on the phone, and an hour later, I've got the finished facial animation. You can't make a 10-minute film on your own and not have ways of cutting corners. Like, you just need yeah, to be able to cut course, corners. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, that's the, the great thing about the background that you know. You know, you've got to think on your feet. You've got to make yeah. things do. You've got to kick bash things. This is the whole. This is what's fascinating about this is is the process of this. So, um, so it's not the typical. No, no, absolutely not. Polished the things. other thing that got complicated was because they were mixed model characters, the years old. Um, I generated them. The mixed model used to have a script. I mean, what Adobe have done to mixed model is criminal. They should be sued for it. Like it's, it, it, they were already there. Like all these things like meta humans and. Adobe were already there when they bought Mixmo. Mixmo was doing that years and years ago. They were well ahead of the game. Um, and now it doesn't even work. Um, after a couple of months in 2020, they turned off the ability to send a, mute, a Fuse character to Mixmo mm. to be rigged. And and the, the, But they say, oh, you can rig any character, just upload the OBJ. Not true. You can do that, but it doesn't come with facial animation. Yeah. The, other, the other ones did. It had it built in, and it would come in with an FBX that had facial blend shapes and all that stuff. And then they had a script you could run. It would rig it for you. And I've still got the script and it still works. But you need a character that's come out of um this kind of mixmo. So when I was doing this, I, I realized that I've got characters here who speak and I'm currently using characters that don't have the ability to talk. And mixmo doesn't work anymore. Like that's what what am I gonna do? And so the little Scottish lad in the van, uh John Clifford, little Scottish lad in the van, John Clifford. Uh, are from old pro and the battery commander. The battery commander was Commissioner Gordon from my fan Batgirl fan film I wanted to make from years ago. So I just get so I just get these characters that I made in Fuse because years ago because they had facial blend shapes and stuff, um, and and bring them in and just use them in this. So that's why like that's how those characters end up end up there. That's why they look like they do because they're just like they're just what I made years ago and that they were still lying around and they could be rigged with 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 face shapes. Um, and then uh, when I was doing it before, uh, when I first made the version of the film, Maya 2018, I could export from the Mixamo um, exporter tool with facial blend shapes. Uh, I don't think it ever worked in 2014. But the problem with 2018 was because the rigs were so old, uh, the feet would never stay planted. The controls would, but the feet were dancing around all the time. 2014 didn't, didn't do it. So I had to export body animation from 2014 oh my and God. facial animation from 2018. It's like a Frankenstein. But then, that, that was in 2020. Then when I came to do it in 2022, the 2018 had stopped. The export urge didn't work at all. So I could only export from 2014 and facial animation didn't export from 2014. So 
talk about thinking on your feet. I had to export for every single character, every single face that moves, that's an Alembic cache. Uh, so every single, so every time I'm exporting, I had to export the body and then the Alembic cache. More capex don't work in 2014. So, <laughs> so, so I had to do my animation in 2018 and I'm recording my head animation as I'm doing the lines, right? And I want that in, you know, because you, you do, the head is fundamentally connected. You see, I'm doing it now. The head is fundamentally connected to the motion of the, to what's happening in the voice, right? So I wanted to have that in. So I, I would export from twenty, I'd save a version of, of what I did in twenty fourteen into twenty eighteen, so that I can, in theory, export the facial animation. But because I'm bringing the facial animation in now, uh, I'm going to add some animation to it. So when that goes in, it means the heads are disconnected oh, because yeah. I've added animation to it. So in order to get around that, I would have to bake out the extra animation onto a locator, export that out, <laughs> bring it back into Maya 2014, oh add it to the thing, gosh. and then re-export the whole, whole lot again. Uh, I mean, this is, this is not an ideal situation, obviously. Like, I'm not, I'm not suggesting this is how you make a film. Yeah. I'm suggesting this is what I inherited. Well, this uh, is brilliant because, you know, this is your process. This isn't the maybe the typical way or the most efficient way. This is great to know this because, um, you know, a lot of people just go, oh, yeah, I just recorded some facial capture and we put it onto the rigs and it worked great. We want to know... Yeah, the, exactly. The bad yeah. times, the tough times, the the crazy process. I had to do this, 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 just to get this. This is really good because this is real, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so here's how it works with the the effects, right? So uh, there's a post process volume in here, and the effects are added. The post effects are added here, right? So we've got three. The order of them matters. I found that out. I control them all inside each shot, so they're off by default, and I turn them on in the shots, right? So for for a normal shot. Um, it would look like this by default. Mm -hmm. That's the, okay, kind of, yeah. the old look. If you turn on the cell shader, we get that. Nice. And we turn on the Kuohara filter, we get that. Nice. If I turn off cell shading, you see how... Oh, okay, yeah. You can see how the effect only works. The look of the film only works when they're both on. Yeah. And is that, um, that, that, that filter there, Martin, is that a paid thing? Is it a something from no, the marketplace? No, there's a, there's, a, there's a tutorial. Some, some guy I found, uh, I was just looking for like a painting effect. And the idea was I was not going to use it on everything. It was going to be just for backgrounds. And because I was going to basically be making a 2D film, I was going to try and rethink the shots and have a painted, effectively a painted background. And I, I thought I'd have to, I'd end up having to not have so many moving cameras because it wanted to look like a 2D animation. But what I thought the Kuhara filter would do, or any kind of painterly filter, would be assessing it frame by frame, and it would get a bit swimmy because it's drawing it every frame. Right. A bit like Waking Life, which is like not what I wanted because I think it's distracting. I wanted it to, you know. But actually, when I turn the Kuhara filter on, you run a camera over it, and it's almost like the the paint is baked onto the geometry. Like it's really nice. So, uh, so when you add the Kuhara filter on, what happens to the rain? So, does it to the frame or to the? Does it to everything? Does it to everything? Um, you can see there, you can see it happens to the rain. Yeah. Um, so that's all good. However, if I want to put the lines on, it doesn't to like, now I quite, I don't dislike the, what happens with the lines. The only way I could get the lines to work, that's nice. That's a cool horror on you see, and it's quite nice. Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, it just didn't work in every shot. And so I just decided I wanted to approach that I could just do the same thing for every single shot. Did you do much sort of post comp work or any yeah, post yeah, so work show you in a separate? As well. um, and uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes um, out of Unreal Engine and what effects and, and stuff you did post as well. So it'd be cool to see. I'll take you through the process. Actually. So okay. that's what comes out of this is what comes out of Unreal. Then I want to do. Uh, I create my lines, right? So I've got the lines here. Everything's been interpreted at twelve frames a second. Um, it comes out of Unreal at twelve, but obviously it's uh, it needs to. This needs to know that it's twelve as well, but twice as fast as it needs to be. Um, so then we drop is this it, in is here. It, is it twelve frames per second because of the effect, the the paint illusion? Yes, because it looks like two D animation. Yeah. So I wanted it. To, but also, there's another there's another reason it makes animation editing a lot simpler if you're dealing with half the frames. Mm. So the first thing I would do, obviously, is go to effect and uh, channel and invert to get it onto white with black lines on a white background, and then I'll go to multiply, and then we get lines. Mm. Um, but I wasn't quite happy with it. I wanted it to feel. Uh, more organic um because obviously the, the, there's a painterly effect on it and then this is a very kind of oh uh, yeah just a harsh black line so i did this uh let me see if it works now on a new computer um so pre-compose the lines and call it lines and open this and i would duplicate it set the top one to 60 and then create in here create a new solid that is black so now you see with the lines this is basically so the black solid with the 60% lines on top and then in here I go apply animation preset and apply this cell grain which is an animated cell grain um, which you'll see what that looks like now so that looks like that which is horrible to look at now but if we um, right click this and go blend mode stencil luma it eats, yeah. it eats the bottom you turn the top one off it's eaten away the bottom yeah. lines. So they look awful, but that's why I had 60% of it, 60% of the original back on top. And what it gives you then is this kind of like, almost like a pencil line that's yeah. been drawn every frame. Yeah. Gives you that texture to it. And that's where it ties in. So you've got a painterly effect on the textures. Yeah, that, that line kind of, um, yeah. Um, just to give it a bit more of an handmade sure. sort of feel and something that's just a bit less computer graphic-y. Anything that was out of focus, the characters are out of focus. I didn't give them lines, and that made it complicated then uh, for for the shots where uh, a character would come into focus, like someone oh, come into okay. focus. Oh, okay, like a pull like a rack focus. Yeah. So, so we pull back here over him. Then the reason the reason for that is, uh, as, as you, you'll you'll be aware, originally the shot was he turns around, and then we're over his shoulder, but it doesn't cut very nice. Because uh, the shots are too similar, so I went. I just went. We'll we'll do his POV, and then we we'll just pull back the the lines there. Start off out of focus, yeah, uh, and then I bring them into focus right here. You know, so it's there's a few shots like that where it's just bringing the things into focus. Now that you've gone through this whole, um, you know, I guess a, a huge learning curve really, and it's you know always that way. Even now, you'd be learning new stuff as you go. Is there anything that you would have sort of done differently or what's the main thing that you've learned from the process of making a short film on your own uh, in Unreal Engine uh, and what would you tell yourself? I would probably think hard about where I'm getting the characters from because I'm not I'm not sold on 
think the meta humans are, are great, but they're not for animators, especially if you're making a short film, they're very complicated. Uh, it's fine for the really high end stuff, but like if you're solo, I think, I think they're too complicated. I'm not sold on character creator. You know, when you're a 3D artist and you open up ZBrush and you're like, what, what, what's yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Like, it don't make sense. It's like it's been made by an alien. Um, and I'm the same when I open character creator. It's like, what's this? Like, what does it look like this? Where's all the, what are all these buttons doing? Like, where's it not easier to use? The important thing to remember is that the characters, what they look like in Unreal, the, the only thing that matters in terms of animation is the skeleton that drives them. That's what you animate in, in Maya. It doesn't matter what the characters look like in Maya. So, um, you could just have a just a stick man if he's driven by the same that's the skeleton that you need in terms of animation obviously there's facial stuff that's a different kind of fish but um i'd just be like i want to have a really nice skeleton that i can animate in 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 maya and i want i want as many characters as possible share that skeleton in unreal so that like you know share animation especially for previews that's really important definitely your approach is you know, you wanted to make a, tell a story. That was the main uh, yeah, thing. You wasn't sure of exactly how, how it was going to be done. You know you wanted to do it in Unreal Engine. Mm. It was a massive learning curve. You hadn't used Unreal Engine before, but this really is to, you know, no, this was, a, this was a, you know, open it up, have a little play. So naturally for you, it's going to be a, you know, let's try this, let's change that. There was never a structure as such, but it just goes to show that... You know, you, you had the end goal in mind, and the whole thing was a learning curve. Yeah. Um. So it's you know, and it's one person making. Is it a ten minute or fifteen minute short? Ten film? minutes. Yeah. Ten minute short film. Um. By was it meant to be? Was it meant to be just a pitch like a trailer, or was it meant to be longer? I wanted it to be like maybe three minutes, a couple of characters, one setting. Um. But because I felt like it was a story that needed to be told, what I should have done really is like picked something that. I didn't feel needed to be told. It was just a, an exercise in doing stuff, just an exercise in making a, a making something, getting it out of the, uh, the engine, figuring out these processes and everything. Um, but me being me, I had to pump for a story that I really, really wanted to tell. Just the complexity of that, sim what seemed like a simple story, just kept making it get bigger and and, and more complicated uh, and, and more characters, more environments. I mean, I didn't expect to have a third environment. There was only supposed to be one. And then ended up making a, a bloody rugby changing room. <laughs> uh, just so that I can have for three shots yeah. it turned out like it was three shots in the end yeah. I made an entire level it looks lovely uh, made an entire level it was meant to be a sequence to start with but I was like oh, I ain't got time for that like, so I, imagine shooting it for real like you was um, at the thought of can it be well the university can it be live action you would have had to build yeah. built that set uh, yeah exactly yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for those three shots uh, and the, the other things were like I never knew how I was going to do the rugby crowd like and uh, I just knew that I had to find a way um, and and last time I looked at it, it was in 2020, uh, and there was nothing on the marketplace that would do it or anything like that. And then by when I came back to do it, sure enough, someone has made a stadium <laughs> filled a, a stadium filler of, of fans. Yeah. Um, and it, that was another reason why the QR filter really saved me because uh, I couldn't have had those be fully yeah. rendered. Because they're in modern clothes, I would have well, loved you can to get have away with them in the background with a filter. But they're in the background with the correct yeah. filter, and you can't—they're just moving. Yeah, they're just that's you all you clear need. people moving. Uh, if you thought about it long enough, like yeah, they're wearing yellow t-shirts and stuff. Like they wouldn't be wearing that in nineteen seventeen. But who cares? Like it doesn't matter. It's telling a story again. Like it's not—it's not hell. I'm going to die on. Just leave it. Yeah, like, it's fine. Absolutely, like, it's, it's fine. And so that—that's where you can, um, I guess, one 
thing of advice is if you're using Unreal Engine, and we'll get into your uh, some advice that you would give for filmmaking in Unreal Engine, but the fact that you check back on the marketplace, was that a regular thing where you go, oh, I wonder what they've uploaded? And when you get the opportunity to that, they're releasing a free pack of stuff that you're constantly yeah. shopping, like, oh, that's... Yeah, constantly you know. shopping. Always make sure that you go into the... Get the free content every... You might not think you want it, right? But you never know. At one point, I picked up that... Um, in black scene, the the scene where he's talking actually takes place inside a pub. Um, I, it could have taken place anyway. It didn't need to be a pub. In fact, in my full script, it's a cafe. Doesn't really matter. Point was, I needed to set it somewhere. And at, at some point in the previous months, I picked up an abandoned pub, free on the marketplace. It was like that'll do. In you go. So, uh, advice-wise, for um, you mentioned earlier, Martin, about sort of keeping it simple. Don't let it get. Don't let it grow too much. If you try and contain it to something, especially if you're a first-time filmmaker, yeah. creating something, simple. you would say simplicity and... Yeah. So it's a simple idea, well told. Mm. That's it, it, If you're going to get complicated, yeah. it's just going to fall down. Uh, and the other advice, if you're making... If you're, I think this, I see this in, in people's work all the time. In fact, it was nice. I just saw a film someone made on on Facebook and one of the, and asked for notes, which is great. The great thing to ask for is for notes. And someone put, "You shot's too long. A shot can't be short enough." I tell you now, like a shot cannot be short enough. Um, and what a lot of people do, and they've got a beautiful set from from the marketplace. I completely and agree. They just, have just long slow cameras, cameras, slow pannings going across. Yeah, man, nothing. all the time. Get rid of it. You don't need it. You get rid of it once as an establisher. Yeah. And interestingly enough, in the film, in Prism at Ridge, I push it in the first 30, 40 seconds in terms of like, they, those are quite long shots, but there's a story. Yeah. There's a story and it adds to the contrast thing because when we get to the war, we're cutting much, much faster. There's a texture to it. It's like the, it's the, the sedate, you the know, contrast of chaotic, yeah, pressure. It's done for an artistic reason, yeah. and a, an artistic reason is not like it's a lovely set. Look at it. Like no one cares. Like just get to the story. You mentioned it again, where you felt that you were you because you wanted to tell a story. That was the main thing. But then when you found these like filters, and you were kind of going, ah. Oh, you know, I can tweak this shadow here, I can make this, but you had to keep sort of reading yourself back and go, look, I'm telling the story. If I wanted to take it to a creative team and wanted to develop it again, you would focus more on that, but you had yeah. it in your mind that you wanted something stylized, but you couldn't let that take you too far away from the purpose of making yeah. this. Yes, and the overriding thing was I wanted it finished. Yes. At this point, it had been in my life for two years and I wanted it finished and I wanted the story told and, and, and it to be done. And so there's things where uh, I know there's a shot of him when he's on the roof field and there's like this sort of light is is causing like the shadows to sort of dance around on his face. I still don't like it, but it just was never a big enough yeah. issue. Um, you know, the the I wish that the, I mean, spoiler alert, it says right at the start of the film, like, we don't want to be near this truck if a shell explodes, if a shell hits it. Like, I mean... If you were an audience watching this film and and, and a character says you don't really need that, that truck of a shell hits it and then a fucking shell doesn't hit it, <laughs> you're gonna be annoyed, right? Yeah. So obviously the truck has to explode. So when you when you watch these things, you're you're exactly you love the story, the but you're con you're looking at things like oh, that that that, which everybody yeah. does when they're when when they're showing things or they've they've got something finished. Yeah. Um, but the and fact, absolutely. like you said, that you've you finished the uh, the project, it took you probably longer than you wanted, but ups and downs. A massive it took longer, but I think it's a better. I think it's a better end product because of as yeah. long as it did, and for the fact that like 
So the fact that Epic told me to apply for Mega Grant and then said no to me after 18 months meant that the film had, had 18 months to gestate in my head and, and was a significantly better. So we've talked about um, storytelling, writing, the concept, the process. The main ones were like mocap. So you'd make a shot, mocap it. We spoke about sending it into Unreal Engine. So the relationship was Maya and um, Unreal Engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the visual of the style, the stylistic choice, uh, the process behind that. Um, Kit bashing things with Marketplace, which is very important. And I guess for your backgrounds as well, if it's nothing bespoke, you know, you, you kit bash things together. You're yeah. constantly looking on Marketplace for assets and building your own library. And who knows, you've probably got enough assets to, to make completely different themed yeah, movies yeah, yeah. in all sorts of uh, genres. Um, and then taking it up into, into the final thing, editing it together. Um, did you say you went up north to do voice recordings? So it's kind of like a hybrid of elements of it, of filming live action. Like you're still going out and doing a voice record. Yeah, what was interesting was that um, the, the voice recording happened really late in the process. Okay. Uh, really, really late. Um, but obviously you'd sort of think that it would come earlier, but like uh, it, it sh- probably should. And I certainly, like, I didn't want the voices now that after I've sort of worked out the edit, I'd been working on the edit, and I didn't want the voices to make it so that the edit had to expand because oh, I get okay. a bit of time for it to expand. And voices can do that. Like, you, you know, you always imagine things are faster. Um, so there's some careful editing of the voices, but that's because they came really late. But I also didn't want to do it until I knew exactly what, I, that I knew that I could finish the film for one. I didn't want to, uh, you know, be using people's time and, and all that stuff if I didn't think it was going to be worth it. So I wanted to get the film to a certain standard first, and I had like the first um, minute and a minute and a half, nearly all done to show them like this is what it's going to look like, uh, you know, um, and so that that was worth doing as well. Before you involve anyone else, make sure that you've got the time to honour the contributions they're going to give yeah. you. Amazing. Is there any other uh, quick fire advice for other filmmakers? I know we mentioned a few, but is there any other ones that you can think of that would be beneficial for people? starting in unreal engine or not that- starting in real engine i'd say there's two kinds of films right there's two there's two kind of films there's the kind of films that need to be made and the kind of films that don't need to be made mm-hmm. and it's up to you as to decide which is which um and what's more important to you if you've got a story that needs to be told make sure that you're going to honor it you felt that like obviously yeah like you say about needing and uh, you know wanting to, to, to tell the story does it need to be told that ties you in like passionately and another yeah. level of passion to get it to get you're it you're going to need that passion because it's a slog like it's a real slog yeah um, and, and if people and are making films that they number one don't care about but they just want to just do yeah, something yeah and I that's mean, fine if you want to knock it out in a couple of weeks you know that's, that's fine it's an exercise and you know can I tell how do I do this but you had that next level of I want to tell this. I was so short on time and, and so frustrated. It's like the most important thing in the world to me right now is to get this thing finished. Yeah. Um, and it's and when you're telling someone that, it's like it's that difficult for people to understand. Like when you're embroiled in it, like like I was mm-hmm. after so long. Um, like I'd forgotten how much work I'd put into it. There's things that I've got when I come back to it in 2022. I'm like I'll look at it and go like, oh, I forgot I did that. Yeah. That took that took ages actually. I forgot I did it. So, uh, yeah, advice for people, if you want to tell, you know, passionate, does it need to be told? Um, uh, what about any advice, I guess, 
technically, like the process-wise? Is there anything that you thought was could be done better or advice for people that are considering a mix of mocap and, if, you know? Here's one. If you are coming from Maya and you're going to Unreal Engine, don't be tempted to just use it as a renderer. You're wasting mm. part of it. You're wasting a big part of what makes it unique. It is so much faster to lay out your sequences in Unreal. So much, so much faster. It's, it's almost bigger. And I've been using Maya for 50, nearly 20 years. It's, and I've been using Unreal for two. It's way faster, mm. way, way, way faster. And you've, you worked that out early on, didn't you? Not just using it for two years, straight away you felt like, whoa, this is, why are we doing, why are like, we doing, why are we doing this in yeah. previous? Like, this is much faster. Like, then you can take those clips and blend them together really quick, get the cameras in. And, you know, ultimately you want to be looking through the lens that you're going to render from. So setting up, setting up a sequence in a, a shot in Maya and then passing the yeah. camera over, and then seeing what it looks like, it's like that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So don't be tempted to be to be putting shots together in Maya and then using it as a renderer. And don't get caught up with all this live link stuff. It means you can use Maya, but it's doing it in Unreal. No, just learn how to use Unreal. It takes mm -hmm. two minutes. Your first hour in Unreal Engine tutorial on learn.unrealengine.com and then do uh, your first hour in Sequencer and you can make shots after that. Like. It takes two hours. Like you're away. It's done. Yeah. Uh, and and what about uh, so this was done in UE four. Is there anything? Was it UE four? Uh, this one. Uh, so I started this in UE four point two five. Yeah. And then it went to four point two six, and then four point two seven. So this project has been updated across okay. three versions of Unreal Engine. And is there anything in Unreal Engine five that you know of, or would be interested to look at? Um, to you know, can can you animate? Uh, and edit animation easily in and mocap in UE5. So they're, they're bringing that in. Um, I mean, it's not really designed for making films in either, so it, this is a little bit superfluous. But I, I think they'd have to go a long way in terms of the animation tools mm. to to get it where to get it where Maya is. Mm. And this is all to placate the people that are saying, "Oh, but I can't animate in it." You don't need to mm. animate in Maya. Like that's what it's for. Like. Mm -hmm. it, it, you send it off as an, XBF, an FBX, it literally takes minutes. And the amount of time that you're saving by not opening and closing Maya all the time, mm. uh, by just like opening a new level sequence and making a change, and like it, it's just much, much faster. Don't worry about the fact that you can't animate in it. You don't need to. As long as you can animate a camera, you do that in, in Unreal, um, you don't need to animate anything. It's really, it's really great to, to talk with you again, Martin, because you know, a lot of people watching this are you know, indie filmmakers thinking, I want to make a film or I need to tell this story. Um, how can I do it? You're a great example uh, of many that are just, you know, diving into this technology. You know, Unreal Engine is not a filmmaker, filmmaking tool as such, but it's clear that it can be done. You've learned so much. You've gone from an idea and a story to a, a short, that's gone into an animation festival, a film festival, sorry. Um, I'm just trying to, I guess, advice. I guess I guess a thing to remember is to, to know your lane. If you're not an animator, find one, budget yeah. one. You're gonna need if you're gonna need someone who can animate. Um and you're gonna need a mocap suit. And if you can't animate, you're probably gonna want to get a better mocap suit than if you can, because if yeah. you can animate, like me, I, I'm quite happy with the with the old with the old one because I, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it anyway. I'm gonna open it up and change it anyway. So uh, it doesn't make it doesn't make any difference if bits of it don't work. It's it's fine, but 
and, and I and I like anime in hands. Uh, I always have, so you know, I don't even bother wearing. I've got gloves, I don't even bother wearing them. Um, I just because I'll just uh, I'll just animate. It's just, it's just superfluous data that I don't need. I'll just animate them anyway. Yeah. But if you're not an animator, you're gonna want that stuff. And the other thing to remember is when you're doing facial um, capture, um, it still to this day. I mean, this is you know August. I I haven't really seen many examples of it working just out of the box. Like it needs an animator to go over it. Okay, amazing, Martin. Is there anything like what you're working on at the minute to sign to sign off on? What your plans for the future in terms of like filmmaking, Unreal Engine? Where where? So, where... Yeah, interestingly enough, um, while I was obsessed with this, I was also obsessed with uh, writing uh, this true crime drama that I wanted to do. Um, and uh, I wrote it, and it got it, it got eights on the blacklist, which is which is really prestigious. I got read recommended on the blacklist. It's a good script, um, and my script editor told me, uh, "You'll never make that. No one will ever buy it. No chance." And I was like, "Why?" She's like, "First time writer. You can't. It's just, you can't do an eight part limited true crime drama that's set in sixties and 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 expect people to make it. They're never going to make it. You've got to be like." Russell T. Davis or, you know, Jack Horn, uh, for people to trust you with an eight-part bloody period drama. Like, it's just not going to happen. She's, the only way you're going to ever make that is to get a career like Russell T. Davis as a writer, which will take 20 years, and then push for it, and, and, and maybe then somebody will give it to you. But until then, it's just not going to happen. And then, against all odds, it got optioned by this, like, new production company. And I thought, ah, this will learn you. Ah, yeah, an option now, uh, and then they took it to the BBC and ITV and Channel Four and Channel Five and a bunch of others, and they all said nope. <laughs> it's like, and they all said no for the same reason. Uh, they can say what they, they, we, it, because it's first time writer, it's too big, it's too expensive, it's too weird, and it is weird. So, what I've learned from Praiseberg Ridge is, I need to distill it down so it's achievable just by me. I don't yeah. have to worry about anybody else. I can mm-hmm. just do it with me. So. It started off as a TV drama, but I'm actually going to—I'm actually writing it now as in prose, and I'm going to read it as a podcast. Okay, nice. Anyone tells you not, we just find find a way to do it. Find a way to do it. I mean, that's yeah. just um, so you know. You hear of pretty much anyone that's made a film, or anyone that's been making a film or wanting to make a film, you'll find that they've been told no yeah. a million times. You know what? You tell me no. I'm going to find a way to yeah, do yeah, this. Yeah, that's it. I'll cause... show you. I'm yeah. going to show you. I'll show you. I love this story. I love telling this. I really want to write this. I'm passionate. And you can't say no to someone who's passionate enough who wants to make a film or, or tell a story, and it will happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I wish you all the best, Martin. And you I know much. you. You ain't st- going to slow down. It's, <laughs> it's going to get done regardless. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I know it will. So I wish you all the best. Um, Cheers, man. You as well. Good luck with the stuff. I love the. I love seeing all your posts, and it's, I'm very, very proud of you setting up this uh, company, man. And I like Cheers, all the, the the web presence is excellent, and the branding is excellent. It's all good. Amazing. Really appreciate that, man. Thank you. No worries, man. Oh, yeah, talk to you soon, yeah. Martin. All the best, and I'll speak to you very soon, man. That's it for my conversation with Martin Bell. If you're looking for more conversations like this and can't wait for the next episode, head over to our YouTube channel at Big Tooth Studios or follow the link in the episode description.